Hello, and welcome to the Her Head and Films podcast. I'm your host, I'm Caitlin. I'll make the preamble short. I've done this podcast for quite a few years, since 2016, but because of various life circumstances, I'm not able to sustain or do really long, in-depth episodes right now. And so I'm doing shorter episodes where I talk about something particularly compelling to me about a specific film. But I also like having this space to meander and explore and talk in the moment about maybe a topic or an idea that is capturing my attention and that I'm thinking about more lately. So what I want to talk about in this episode is the relationship between cinema and dreams because it's something that I have been thinking about lately and it just sparks me and I want to delve into it a little bit. I started keeping a dream journal recently. I've been keeping a dream journal for a few months. I never used to do this (laughs) but I just wanted to start recording my dreams because I really have been going through a transformative time in my life. It's been born out of a lot of pain. I've been going through some painful experiences, the pandemic. I'm a caregiver for my mom who's been having issues with her health. I've just been in a state of a lot of anguish, I would say. And what I started to realize through certain experiences that I've been through lately or the past couple of years is that I was like deeply disconnected from myself and I did not know myself. I did not have this identity or this sense of self. And so I've really been going on a journey to try to understand myself in a deeper way and to know myself and know who I am. And I've been reading some bell hooks. I love bell hooks. She's probably my favorite feminist writer. She has two books in particular that have been so powerful for me. One is called Communion and one's called All About Love. She talks about, in Communion, it's more about women's relationship with men and and love and all of that. And then All About Love is a more general exploration of love about loving others, loving ourselves. And I've really been on a journey to love myself unconditionally and to value myself and to see my own worth because much of my life I've hated myself. I have hated myself so completely and I've lived in a world that taught me to hate myself, that encouraged me to hate myself as a woman, to hate what I looked looked like, to hate my body, to hate everything about myself. I've been very self-destructive as a result. Recently, I decided I have to resist that. I must resist it and I must love myself because if I do not give love and care to myself, I am going to tolerate the treatment of other people that I don't deserve and that is harmful and hurtful. I'm going to put up with things that I should never put up with and I'm going to live a life that is empty and soulless. I decided I have to love myself. And she writes in All About Love and Communion, I think, about self-actualization And this is a phrase that just keeps rattling around in my brain. I want to be self-actualized. And for me, that means knowing myself as deeply as possible. And I decided that I wanted to keep a dream journal because I wanted to see what's going on 
within me, like what's happening there? And could these dreams communicate something to me? And at times they have. At times I've had dreams and I'm like, oh, that's telling me something or, oh, that's a desire of mine or that's something that I'm longing for or whatever. So I started to keep a dream journal. I highly recommend it. And every few days I'll have some dreams that I'm able to remember and I'll write them down. And so I wanted to talk about the relationship between dreams, surrealism, and cinema. What I've been thinking about recently is the way that my dreams cannot be described. Like I I try to write them down, particularly recently the last few days. This is why I've been thinking about this more. My dreams defy language. I see them. I experience them. I create them. My mind is creating them, but they don't follow a clear logic or sense. And when I wake up, I'm unable to grasp all the parts of these dreams and to even communicate what I saw. So dreams are a very unspeakable, wordless, ineffable part of us. And sometimes I can't even remember them. And I think that's an interesting part as well. It's like, you know that you had dreams. You wake up and you're like, well, I know I had all these interesting dreams, but you can't really recall them. So, so many of the dreams that we have are lost to us because we can't even remember them. And I like the idea of dreams being a creative act. My friend was talking to me about this the other day because we were talking about creativity. I've made it a really big goal for myself to connect to my creativity, to write every day, to have like a regular writing practice and to really delve into my emotions and my feelings through journaling and all of that. And my friend was telling me that dreams themselves are an act of creativity. We are creating them, right? And I think something that's interesting about dreams is that we can't tell other people about them. We can, but they're not that interesting when you hear somebody else's dreams. They're just not. The dream itself is only useful to the dreamer unless you transmute the dream into a poem or music or even put it into films. You have to experience the dream and that is the value of the dream to you. Because once somebody starts to describe it to you, their dream, it doesn't do as much because you didn't experience it. And I think this is like the perfect metaphor for cinema where it's like, yeah, you can listen to me talk about the many films that I've talked about. I have over a hundred episodes in my archive at this point. And I, and that's a useful thing for me to talk about the film and to share with those of you who listen what my experience is of a film. But at the end of the day, you have to watch the film and you have to experience it. And in a way, what a film is, is a shared dream. And it's also something that often defies language. Like, yeah, I talk about films and I try to put the experience of the tree of life or stalker or three colors blue or the double life of Veronique. I try to put those films into words and to talk about them just like I try to put my dreams into words. But the film has to be experienced and it's visual and it's the imagery the way that our dreams are you have to see it you have to have your own personal experience with it and often for me language just doesn't touch it and this is a struggle for me because I'm a writer I've written since I was a child 
I studied English literature when I went to college. I've kept a diary for well over half my life at this point. I write. I am connected deeply to language. That's how I create. I create with language and with words. Whether I'm creating these episodes or I'm writing, language is my material and my substance. But I think what's so compelling to me about cinema is that it is an experience of the wordless. And there are certain films where even if you didn't have the dialogue, you would be able to understand the film visually and intuitively. And I think it was Alfred Hitchcock that said something like silent cinema was the purest form of cinema because there is no dialogue and it's almost completely done through the images and through the visuals. And so even if a film is not necessarily going by dream logic, the fact that it's visual, the fact that it's wordless, the fact that you have to experience it in that way aligns it with the dream world, I think. And I do think that films can tap into our dreams, become part of our dreams, almost like we're experiencing a dream while we're awake. That film is a waking dream. So we're able to connect to and tap into the dream world, even when we're not asleep through cinema. I'm not saying that every film works on that level, but a lot of the stuff that I like does, like I mentioned, The Double Life of Veronique, or Andre Tarkovsky's Mirror, or Terrence Malick's Tree of Life, or some of David Lynch's work, or all of David Lynch's work, Lost Highway, Inland Empire, Mulholland Drive. Often what I feel like artists are doing, particularly filmmakers, is that I feel like they're transmuting dreams and putting them on the screen. And we know certain directors do that, that they may be inspired by their dreams or they may be inspired by dream logic. David Lynch is one of the people who does that, but he's not the only one. And I never used to be interested in surrealism, like surrealist art, photography, paintings, or films. I used to resist surrealism. I think I was more dominated by the rational side of myself. But in the last few months in particular, like I said, I'm on this journey to know myself in a deeper way and to connect with myself, to connect with the mysterious parts of myself, the primal parts, things about myself that I don't always understand and that I can't always put into words and that are acting in an unconscious, intuitive level. And I have found myself more open. It's almost like a door has opened inside of me, and I have found myself more open to certain kinds of films. And David Lynch is one of those. I really love his film Inland Empire in particular, but of course Mulholland Drive also works with dream logic. Even something like Lost Highway, he's doing something very interesting, I think, and there are surreal elements to it. I still have more of his films that I need to see. Like, I haven't seen Blue Velvet. I haven't seen Twin Peaks. I love the way that he talks about cinema as an intuitive art form. That when you're watching a film, you intuitively know what it means to you. And it may mean something different to you than it does to somebody else. And he's not a fan of explaining his films or talking about them because cinema often cannot be put into words. I, I do truly believe that. And it's something that you feel. It's a mystery that enters you. And that has been my premise with this podcast from the beginning. All I've ever tried to convey are my emotions and my feelings 
and my intuitive experience of a film. And that experience might be very different from somebody else's. My interpretation of the Tree of Life may be different than somebody else's. What I get from it could be very different from another viewer. That's something that I've always loved about cinema is that you take a bunch of people in a room looking at a screen and every single person is going to take away something different from that film, particularly if it's a surrealist film. They're going to bring their own lives. They're going to bring their own experiences, their own dreams to that screen and what they see. And so I feel like what a lot of filmmakers do is they're sort of like dream makers or something like that, or they're capturing dreams through the camera. Sometimes they're putting their own dreams in their films or messages that they get from their dreams or they're working with dream logic and surrealism. So Lynch is not the only one. I really love Suzanne Pitt. I got obsessed with her recently. I love Asparagus and Joy Street and her work is very surrealist. Asparagus absolutely just opened a door within me like I said. And I think I saw Asparagus before I ever saw a David Lynch film. So for me, my real love of surrealism started, well, it started before Suzanne Pitt with Maya Darren, and I'll come back to her. But Suzanne Pitt, I don't know if it's Susan or Suzanne, I don't know if I'm saying it right. Asparagus is like, it's this fever dream. It's highly erotic. It's just stunning to me. Like, I can't even explain to you how much I love asparagus. <laughs> Go and watch that film if you get a chance. But she also had a really powerful film called Joy Street. These are animated. They're animated short films, and they're very surrealistic. And Joy Street is about a woman struggling with depression. That film really emotionally affected me. And at the end, the woman in the film, it starts with her depression and she's in the depths of something very total and very overwhelming. And by the end of the film, there's hope for her. She emerges from the depression. In a lot of ways, she puts her face to the light. I think a lot about that Angel Olsen song, Windows, where she sings about opening a window and she says something like, what's so wrong with the light? And Joy Street, by Suzanne Pitt just captured that for me of putting your face to the light, returning to life after a period of pain and depression. It offered me hope at a moment when I needed it. And asparagus just tapped into something deeply erotic and overwhelming for me. It reminded me a little bit of what I felt when I watched Jane Campion's In the Cut. I just loved the sensuality of asparagus, but also the fever dream, the wildness of it. I don't even know how to put that film into words. I also love Maya Darren. I love Meshes of the Afternoon. I love Atland in particular. Atland is really, really gorgeous. I have a DVD that has, I think, all of her films. I think it's put out by Kino Lorber. And so I went through a period a few months ago or a while back where I watched all of her short films because I think she only made short films. And they're very surreal. And she did them like in the 40s and the 50s. And they still feel so relevant and rich and resonant. I love Meshes of the Afternoon and Atland. The images in those films absolutely haunt me. And I've loved Maya Darren for years. 
I saw Meshes of the Afternoon quite a few years ago, and I go back to it periodically. I may watch it once a year or more because the imageries, the imagery in it of of death, of keys, of she's dreaming in the film, there's knives, like everything about that film just absolutely captures me and taps into something. Can I sit here and say that I know exactly what Meshes of the Afternoon is about? Absolutely not. That's why I keep watching it. That's what's fascinating to me about surrealism and surrealist art. You're never finished with it because you can't fully explain it according to rationality. And it does work on an intuitive level and it taps into your dreams. You can never have just one explanation of the work of art. There's also Unshian Andalou by Louis Bunuel. That's a fascinating film. I mean, I will never forget the razor blade over the eyeball and then the cloud going through the moon. Those images together are fascinating to me. And I did rewatch Unshian Andalou recently when I rewatched some of the Maya Darren because I was wanting to really explore some of these surrealist films. And I'm sure I'll watch more. I watched these films, you know, Suzanne Pitt and Maya Darren and all this stuff, David Lynch. And I'm watching it and I don't know always what to make of it. And I don't know what's happening inside of me when I watch these things. But I know that I feel overwhelmed at times. I feel emotional. I feel haunted. I feel sparked creatively. Like after I watch Maya Darren, I want to go write. I want to go explore my creativity. I want to create something. There's something like inspiring about surrealism for me, but I can't always explain what's happening. I can't even explain what I feel. So I watch these films and I don't know what they're doing to me. Isn't that fascinating? It's deeply mysterious and ineffable, but I find it so inspiring. Those films affect me in a different way than a poem affects me or music affects me or a book affects me. When I get lost in that imagery and I get lost in that dream world that those filmmakers create. I also like surrealist paintings and photography. Not all, not all of it, but there are certain painters like Leonora Carrington, a photographer I love called Francesca Woodman. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of her or Dwayne Michaels. These are photographers who do work with surrealism and surrealist elements in their photography. And I find their work to be really haunting. And recently I got into an artist who I just feel incredibly hypnotized and mesmerized by. And her name is Dorothea Tanning. There's this exhibition of her later work, like in the 70s and on. The paintings that she did during this period are for me intoxicating. I can't even like um, put them into words. I've been looking at them obsessively lately. Like I said, I can't always communicate my dreams. I can't always figure out what exactly happened, even though I experienced it and I felt it and I saw it and my mind created it. And for me, these paintings by Dorothea Tanning absolutely convey that feeling. Like these paintings capture that strange dream feeling and that disorientation that you don't know what you're looking at as you're dreaming, but it's all these different elements mixing together. And so in some of 
Dorothea Tanning's later paintings, you'll see these bodies, but they're all melting together. Some of the body parts are missing, and you're not sure what you're looking at at all. There's one that's particularly haunting where you see a a woman's body, you see the bottom half of her body, you see her legs, and one of her legs is a fin. So the other leg is a normal human leg, and then the other leg is like a fin at the bottom, like a fish. I think what I find compelling is that it shows this hybrid woman where she's part woman and she's part creature or part fish or something like that and I think that resonates with me right now where I feel like I'm this hybrid creature or something. I've talked about this in some other episodes but I don't feel like the person that I was a couple of years ago before the pandemic started and different things were happening in my life. I've been through a lot of ruptures. In some ways I do feel like this hybrid person right now. I'm not who I was, but I don't know who I am. I'm in this process of transformation, and so I'm neither this nor that. I'm neither who I was two years ago, but I'm also not in a final form now either. I'm a mixture of who I am, who I was. You add in all these new experiences, this new knowledge about myself. I think maybe this is why I've become fascinated with recording my dreams and delving into the surreal, delving into the unconscious or the subconscious, is I want to explore those depths within myself and I want to go into dreams as a generative place, a creative place. I feel like when we live in dreams, we live in a place of possibility. I think sometimes we can get lost in our dreams, maybe. I know that I've been that kind of person where I get, I can get lost in fantasy or I can get lost in my dream world. I can use it to escape my life. And sometimes we need that desperately. We absolutely need to escape circumstances that might be difficult or painful. And so dreams are a beautiful place to live at times because because reality can be harsh and painful. A big struggle for me is to connect to reality, is to not get absorbed in the dream world so deeply, to connect to my present life, find acceptance with it, find the beauty in the everyday and the ordinary. And we need both though. We need the dream world and we need the practical real world. But we should never discard the dream world because when we're living in dreams, we're living in possibility. We're going beyond what we can just see and taste and touch. We're going into the realm of the imagination. That is what films can do as well, is that they can give us imagery that doesn't exist in our everyday lives. We can imagine new possibilities through the dream logic, through putting things together that you wouldn't normally put together. Something like asparagus comes to mind. What Suzanne Pitt created with that film that had never existed before, and putting all these elements together or Dorothea Tanning's paintings where she's creating this hybrid woman who is both human and amphibian or fish or an aquatic thing, something that is hybrid, something that doesn't totally make sense, but do we ever make sense to ourselves? I think in a way we resist 
sense. When you try to understand another person or you try to understand yourself, you cannot always make sense of it because there's all these different things going on under the surface. I like living in in that. I like exploring it, thinking about it, and I feel like my dreams give me access to a deeper part of myself and also a very mysterious part. This Dorothea Tanning painting where she's half human, half fish, I think it captures my own hybridity and how I don't really know what I'm becoming. Because if you think about it with this painting, she's both things at once. But will she eventually turn into a fish or will she go back to being a human? The painting, of course, just captures one second. I mean, one image of the transformation of the woman in the painting. And so I love that this Dorothea Tanning painting makes me think about all of this. There's something about her paintings that for the first time in my life, I feel like my process or my experience of dreaming is in her paintings. Like, I feel like she painted her dreams or something, but she didn't paint them and enforce a narrative or logic on them. She allowed the disorientation, the destabilization, the melting, the confusion, the chaos. She like infused all of that into the painting and into the canvas. And as a viewer of the paintings, you're disoriented and you don't know what you're looking at. You're seeing body parts. You're seeing just this chaotic mixture of elements and you have no idea what you're looking at, but you can't stop looking. And maybe that's what's really the power of a dream, is that you don't know what's happening or what you're experiencing, but you can't stop. And you go deeper and deeper into it, into this thing that your mind is creating, into this mystery that is a part of you. And maybe that's what's so compelling about the surrealist films too, about Suzanne Pitt and Maya Darren and David Lynch and all of it, is that you're watching the film and you may not understand everything about it, but you can't stop watching and you can't look away. You just want to go deeper and deeper into that ineffability and into this thing that you can't comprehend. And maybe you think if you watch it again or, you know, you just keep going over it and you keep looking like one day you'll comprehend it and you'll understand it. But I don't know if you ever do, but I do think that you make your own meaning out of it. I make my own meaning about meshes of the afternoon with the figure that has the face that's a mirror. I've always seen that figure as death. What does that mirror do? It shows us to ourselves that will be us one day on the other side and that none of us escapes it. And so we make our meaning out of these films. I make my meaning out of asparagus, out of meshes and at land, out of Inland Empire. I take all those elements and just like I create my own dreams out of all kinds of different things that I see and experience and feel and touch. It's the same way with, I think, these surrealistic films, that the filmmakers give us the elements and the ingredients, I guess, and then we take them and we put them together to make some kind of meaning or sense for ourselves. We do that through our intuition and through tapping into our emotions and feelings. That's why I guess I enjoy the process more than I used to, when I was more rational-minded and I was disconnected and alienated from my own intuition and my own feelings, my own instincts. And now that I'm going through the process of recording my dreams 
and stuff and different stuff like that that's helping me tap into my intuition. I'm more open to films that are more intuitive, that don't make sense on the surface and are not as logical or narratively driven. But you have to do more work. You just create your own dream out of the film. You know, the film itself is a dream. It can enter your own dreams. And you, I've dreamed about films or certain elements of films. Films really become feelings for me. Like after I watch a film, those images really react with my mind and they start to work on my mind. And I carry the feelings from the film. I carry the feelings into my everyday life so that when I see certain things, I'll think of a film. Like if I see like a really beautiful blue pool, I'll think of Three Colors Blue. When I see snow, I think of the opening scene of Jonathan Glazer's birth. So when I see a marionette, I think of the double life of Veronique. Film is a dream that we enter. And it's a dream that we can experience over and over again. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. And just as language cannot contain the dreams that I have, often language cannot contain the experience of cinema. What it makes us feel, where it takes us, I do see it as a transcendent art form at times where we can touch a sense of transcendence. We can touch something almost spiritual, something that makes us feel connected to something greater than ourselves. I think it's fascinating how with dreams, sometimes we have similar dreams or we dream of similar things or symbols. So all of it's very fascinating. I just wanted to explore that a little bit in this short episode and how I've been connecting with my own dreams, how I've been more open to films that incorporate a dream logic or surrealism and how cinema itself is a dreamlike art form that taps into that part of us and that becomes a living dream, a waking dream that we can enter over and over again. And we can be transformed by films and they become part of us and they enter our minds and our lives and all kinds of things. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. And I just wanted to share some of my thoughts about it. And I'm glad that I've opened myself to this. I'm glad this door opened. I'm glad that I'm watching more surrealist films. I'm glad that I'm not limiting myself and saying, oh, I'm not smart enough to watch that. I'm not smart enough to understand that. Or that's way over my head. I'm so glad I watched Asparagus. I'm so glad I watched Meshes of the Afternoon. Like, I'm really glad that I'm opening myself to these different forms of cinema. I'm grateful for this art form. I mean, think about when we're in a movie theater and we're in the darkness. Just like we're in the darkness and of our sleep when we're dreaming. In a lot of ways, when we're watching a film in a setting like a theater, we're all entering a collective dream. And then when we leave the theater, it's like we're waking back up. I think it's just a beautiful thing and I'm grateful for it. And so I've gone on long enough. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, keep watching great films. Bye for now.